Um, but yeah, as Claire said, we're reading from uh, Matthew chapter 23, verses 1 to 22. So you'll find that on page 849 if you've got the, the black Bibles. Um, but before we read, I'm going to pray for us. Father God, we thank you that you have spoken to us through your scripture. And we pray this morning as we come to it that you might uh, you might speak to us, Lord. You might encourage us and convict us and challenge us and ultimately conform us to the image of your son, Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, The teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat, so you must be careful to do everything they tell you, but do not do what they do, for they do not practice what they preach. They tie up heavy, cumbersome loads and put them on other people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. Everything they do is done for people to see. They make their phylacteries wide and their tassels on their garments long. They love the place of honor at banquets and the most important seats in the synagogues. They love to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and to be called a rabbi by others. But you are not to be called rabbi, for you have one teacher and you are all brothers. And do not call anyone on earth father, for you have one father and he is in heaven. Nor are you to be called instructors, for you have one instructor, the Messiah. The greatest among you will be your servant, for those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You shut the door of the kingdom of heaven, in people's faces. You yourselves do not enter, nor will you let those enter who are trying to. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You travel over land and sea to win a single convert, and when you've succeeded, you make them twice as much a child of hell as you are. Woe to you, blind guides. You say, if anyone swears by the temple, it means nothing, but anyone who swears by the gold of the temple is bound by that oath. You blind fools, which is greater, the gold or the temple that makes the gold sacred? You also say, if anyone swears by the altar, it means nothing, but anyone who swears by the gift on the altar is bound by that oath. You blind men, which is greater? the gift, or the altar that makes the gift sacred. Therefore, anyone who swears by the altar swears by it and by everything on it. And anyone who swears by the temple swears by it and by the one who dwells in it. And anyone who swears by heaven swears by God's throne and by the one who sits on it. Thanks, Tim. Uh, good morning. Uh, my name's Andrew. I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, it's great that you can join us for uh, church this morning. It'd be great if you can have that part of God's Word open, Matthew 23. 
Uh, well, that's what we're going to be spending uh, our time this morning. Um, I've had an interesting morning running around after neighbours lost cats, uh, so that's why I was a, uh, a little bit late. So we would, uh, we've we've taken on uh, cat sitting, a, a neighbour's cat. Um, so I need my head to get in the game. I need to get my head in God's word, uh, be freed from all these other distractions. So will you pray with me, at least for me, if not for you as well? Uh, so let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much uh, the, for this morning. Uh, thank you so much for the chance we have to um, meet as your people to uh, come again and uh, get to know Jesus again. Lord, we pray that we might uh, see Jesus clearly as he really is, that we might see his heart for his people, but also uh, his heart for those um, uh, or his anger for those uh, whose faith is skin deep. Lord, please uh, give me words to speak uh, so that your word might be illuminated for all of us. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, some of you will know that um, my family and I moved uh, from Australia to New Zealand uh, almost 10 years ago this year. And uh, in that time, uh, over the last 10 years, I've started to become pretty familiar with some of the things that really annoy Kiwis. Uh, maybe that's my personality showing there. But uh, here's some things that annoy Kiwis. Possums, they annoy Kiwis. Uh, being left off the map, that really annoys Kiwis. Uh, paying for something that you could do yourself, that annoys Kiwis. This is a new one, I found this out last year. Cafes that don't sell hot chips, that really annoys Kiwis. Uh, if you've ever stood at the, in the line at the Chocolate Fish Cafe behind someone who's having an argument with the person on the other side of the till because they don't sell hot chips... Uh, you'll realize that now that the Chocolate Fish Cafe has reopened, it has a deep fryer and now it sells hot chips. That's right. Kiwis don't appreciate being mistaken for Australians. Uh, or they don't appreciate Australians stealing things like Pavlova or Crowded House or Farlap. But they also don't appreciate Australians not taking things that they want to get rid of, things like Russell Crowe. <laughs> Uh, I was reading a survey this week and I discovered something else that really annoys Kiwis and I wonder if it annoys you too. Uh, the thing that I realized uh, in this survey was Kiwis really don't like religious fakes. They really don't like religious fakes. They don't like people in churches pretending they are holy and righteous when in reality they are something else. I don't think it's just Kiwis who, who are annoyed by that. Uh, research from 2018 uh, showed that Kiwis who don't go to church, uh, that is all the, all the Kiwis out there, uh, two-thirds of the, sorry, um, of, of, of Kiwis who don't go to church, the top two turnoffs for being interested in Jesus or ever coming along to church were Christians who were faking it. Uh, I should have a slide maybe if I'm lucky up here. Um, here we are, uh, five behavior blockers, things that will get in the way of uh, a Kiwi coming to church. Uh, the first is church abuse, and the second is hypocrisy. And really, church abuse is just an extreme version of hypocrisy, isn't it? See, Kiwis who don't know Jesus, they can't stand religious fakes. It's the number one reason why they won't walk through the door and come to church on Sunday. And you know what? Jesus 100% agrees with them. As you might have heard in the Bible passage we read this morning, uh, Jesus loathes religious fakes. 
He can't stand those who get up the front uh, and with all authority go, do as I say, not as I do. Jesus has no time for people who turn up to church and put on a show, but their hearts are not in it. Uh, in Matthew chapter 23, which we read just before, it has a hard word for that sort of religious fake. There are serious consequences for those who do religion just for the show, just to be seen. Uh, now, if you've joined us for the first time this morning, we're really glad uh, to have you here and love to see you at the newish lunch. Um, but it's our normal practice at Sedona Hill to work our way through books of the Bible, uh, verse by verse, chapter by chapter. Uh, but this summer, we're spending three weeks looking at uh, Jesus in particular and looking at some unexpected things about Jesus. Uh, so we, we're looking at the Jesus that we never knew. And the first thing we saw was that Jesus, he actually enjoyed a good party. Uh, Jesus was not a killjoy. The second thing we saw last week was that uh, Jesus hung out with dodgy people. He had lots of dodgy friends. And today we're seeing that Jesus, he really wasn't a fan of pompous religious types, especially if all the pomp and the ceremony and the ritual, if, especially if it was only skin deep. Uh, now, to set things in context, uh, Matthew 23, uh, Jesus here is in Jerusalem. Uh, it's only a couple of days before he'll be arrested and crucified. Uh, and we're dropping into the middle of a kind of a, a debate, a war of words between Jesus and these religious leaders. Uh, and to begin with, um, uh, Jesus accuses these leaders of being religious fakes. Uh, he accuses them of being uh, uh, people who put religion on the outside just to be praised by other people. Have a look there in chapter one. Oh, sorry, chapter 23, verse one. Uh, verse one, Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. So you must be careful to do everything they tell you, but do not do what they do, for they do not practice what they preach. Uh, now, there's two groups of people there that Jesus is speaking about. Uh, there are the teachers of the law and the Pharisees, the, the two groups that were big in the religious hierarchy of the day. Uh, the teachers of the law, they were the experts in the Old Testament scriptures. Uh, they were also the keepers of what was called the oral tradition. It was a set of teachings and interpretations of the Old Testament scriptures, uh, how they might apply to life. Uh, and the other group he's talking about are the Pharisees. Uh, they were a zealous movement. Uh, they were kind of fastidious in their discipleship and their disciplines and their religious practices. And the Pharisees over time had developed a set of traditions and rules that they, they sat alongside God's word and it was known as the traditions of the fathers. Uh, but the problem was that these outwardly religious leaders, Jesus says they were no longer listening to God's word. They were no longer taking it to heart. Jesus says they only cared about being seen by other people. Uh, and we see this in the way that they claim the authority of Moses there. Jesus says that they sat in Moses' seat. It's as if they think that they deserve the same honor and respect as Moses, the great leader of God's people who led them through the Exodus. Uh, they think they deserve to sit in Moses' seat, but in actual fact they are placing heavy burdens on the people of God. Verse 4, have a look at verse 4. They tie up heavy cumbersome loads and put them on other people's shoulders but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. They're claiming great authority, but they are weighing down ordinary people with religious rules and rituals. Religious practices that Jesus says they themselves are not even willing to keep. Uh, I mentioned this story a, a couple of years ago, but uh, in 2019, the, the oil-rich kingdom of Brunei implemented Sharia law. 
that's a strict Muslim code. Uh, and part of Sharia law is uh, laws like death for uh, death by stoning for adultery uh, and chopping off people's hands if they steal. Uh, the problem was that when they brought Sharia law in, immediately the whole world saw the hypocrisy. Uh, the ruling sultan of Brunei and his brother, they were notorious for not just having multiple wives, but they also had like a whole uh, fleet of prostitutes at their beck and call. So there's the adultery, right? Uh, and the sultan's brother, well, he was accused of stealing one day. Uh, do you know how much he was accused of stealing? $16 billion from the royal treasury. There's the theft. And so was the sultan and his brother taken before the people and stoned or had their limbs cut off? No. They publicly forced the heavy burden of Sharia law on their people, but behind, the, behind closed doors they live completely differently. They tie heavy loads on other people, but they do not practice what they preach. But what is going on for these uh, Jewish leaders that uh, Jesus has in his sights? Why were they doing this? Why were they burdening other people? Jesus says they place this heavy burden of religious ritual on other people. They do it so that they might be seen and so that they might be honored. They make a very public show of their religion to be recognized. Have a look at what Jesus says in verse 5. Verse 5, everything they do is done for people to see. There it is. It's done for people to see. They make their phylacteries wide and their tassels on their garments long. Uh, now, phylacteries uh, and tassels, what's with that? What even are those things? Uh, I think I have a picture, maybe. There we go. Um, here's a picture. Uh, the little box on the guy's head is a phylactery. Uh, it's a small leather box that contained a portion of the Old Testament law uh, and in Deuteronomy chapter 6, God commanded his people to remember his word, to remember his law. Uh, God said that his law needed to be on his people's hearts. And, and God wanted them to saturate their lives with his word. And so in Deuteronomy chapter 6, God said, he said, tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. They would remember God's word, but uh, what these guys are doing is they're taking that command super literally. And so they actually have got a little box and they put the commandments in it and they stick it on their head as though sticking it on their head to be seen by all the people will somehow get it into their heart. I remember once being so stressed about a science exam, I ran out of time to study that I, 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 I thought I'd put the science textbook under my pillow as I went to bed the night before, hoping that somehow the science in the book would infuse into my brain as I slept. It didn't work. And it also probably explains why I'm no good at science, doesn't it? Um, the phylacteries are a similar kind of idea. Uh, uh, but these guys, they were making them and wearing them and showing them, uh, not because they wanted to know God's word, but because they wanted to be seen as religious people. Now, I don't think Jesus is against us uh, having ways to remember God's word. Uh, it's great to carry a Bible around with you. It's even better if you read it. Uh, the verse of the day app that pops up on your phone, great. Uh, maybe you've got some Bible quotes or Bible verses uh, on the back of the toilet door. That's, that's great. Read God's words. Uh, but for these people, it wasn't about getting God's word into their hearts. Uh, for the Pharisees, for the teachers of the law, it was a religious show. They did it for people to see. They're acting in a way to be seen and to be recognized by others. It's there in verse 6. Verse 6, they love the place of honor in banquets 
and the most important seats in the synagogue. They love to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and be called rabbi by others. They want to take the place of honour. They want the public recognition for their important religious position. They want to be called special religious titles like rabbi or whatever other title takes their fancy. Uh, But in verses 9 and 10, Jesus says, don't be called rabbi, don't be called teacher, don't be called father, don't be called instructor, don't be called anything special because that honour belongs to God alone. If you claim that honour, you're just faking it. It's a claim to be something that Jesus says that you are not because that honour, those things belong to God alone. Now, if you've been around churches long enough, uh, you'll realise that this sort of external religion, uh, it, 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 it's, it's easy for it to creep in. Uh, once you understand the culture of how churches work and the way things happen, uh, it's easy to work the, the system. Uh, it's easy to start looking for recognition and affirmation. Uh, it's easy to start doing things to be seen and noticed. And so I find these verses a real challenge. As I do the things that I do, am I doing it to seek God's honour? Or am I doing it to be honoured by those around me? Here's some good questions for you to ask. Maybe you think about these over the week. Uh, is there any part of you that likes or that loves the outward signs of religion? Or enjoys the, the honour or the pride that it brings you? Maybe it's the public acclaim. Maybe it's someone going, what a good Christian they are. What a godly or wise man or woman you are. Gee, what deep faith I can see you have. There's some little part of you that longs for that from other people. Perhaps you like the idea of being in Christian leadership or being up the front at church uh, because people will then look up to you. It's a real danger, isn't it? Do you often think about how others will view you? when deciding whether or not to do that thing, to to serve in that way? Would you be willing to serve in a way that no one ever noticed, that no one would ever see? Now, it is good to be disciplined. It's good to serve. It's good to meet with God's people. It's good to teach God's word. It's good to share and pray with other people. But Jesus is saying that religious fakes, they do these things to be seen. They do these things to be recognized. They do these things to be honored and exalted for their own pride and for their own glory. Uh, But elsewhere in God's word, Jesus says, go into your room. Do these things in quiet. Do these things between you and God. That is whose praise really matters. And so that's the first point Jesus is making here. He's saying religious fakes, they just want to be praised by others. They want to seek the honor of men rather than the honor of God. Uh, and then the next thing that Jesus says is that this sort of fake religion, uh, it's a real danger. The danger of it is that fake religion, it cannot save. Fake religion cannot save. We see this in these woes. Uh, they go through all the way through to verse 28. Um, so uh, Jesus says, uh, faking, it, it doesn't make it when it comes to impressing him. It's actually only going to lead to destruction. Uh, now in this section, Jesus is much more fiery, much more feisty. Uh, this is not a gentle rebuke. This is not Jesus meek and mild. These are harsh words that Jesus has for religious fakes. So verse 13, Jesus says, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You shut the door of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. You do not enter 
nor will you let those who enter who are trying. Now, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, they pride themselves on their interpretation of God's word. But Jesus says here, what they're teaching, it is just religious rituals and traditions. And those sorts of rituals and traditions, they actually shut people out of the kingdom of heaven. Now, the second woe is worse. Jesus says, verse 15, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites, you travel over land and sea to winning a single convert. And wherever you have succeeded, you make them twice as much a child of hell as you are. Now, it might be hard to see what's uh, so wrong here. I mean, there's something good about going out and trying to uh, win people for God's kingdom. Uh, the problem is that they're winning people, they're, they're converting people to a fake religion that cannot save. And that's the tragedy of what they are doing. Uh, they're not helping anybody come to know the true and living God. They're not leading people to repentance and faith. They're not leading people into humble trust in Jesus. They are just weighing them down with burdens. They are selling them the lie that salvation comes through what you do, not through what God has done. And that's what makes the third and fourth woes so ridiculous. Jesus says this sort of fake religion, it is blind to God and it is blind to his words. Uh, We can see this in verse 16 with these bizarre oaths that people are making. Verse 16, uh, verse 16, woe to you, you blind guides. You say, if anyone swears by the temple, it means nothing. But anyone who swears by the gold of the temple is bound by that oath. Verse 17, you blind fools. Uh, One of the things that fake religion does is it gets so caught up in the details of getting the ritual just right. So which part of the temple or altar to swear an oath on? Uh, the Pharisees are so caught up in the details and the regulations, they've completely lost sight of the bigger picture. They've lost sight of God. They've lost sight of God, his holiness, his glory, his presence that is represented by the temple being there in their midst. And again, verse 23, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin. Now, it's a picture here. It's it's supposed to be a ridiculous picture. Here is the Pharisee. He's out in his herb garden, and he's counting off the leaves, uh, pulling out every tenth leaf, uh, pulling out every tenth leaf of mint and dill and cum, and he's doing that. And as he's doing that, there is a knock at the door, and it's the homeless and the hungry and the poor. They're banging on his door, and he's down in the garden so far into the weeds, he doesn't even hear them. And so he neglects the heart of the law. Verse 23 again. You give a tenth of your spices, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law. Justice, mercy, and faithfulness. The religious fake is too busy counting their leaves and focusing on the details and going, have I ticked all the religious boxes I need to today? And they're neglecting what is truly important. Justice and mercy, and faithfulness. And to show how ridiculous this is, Jesus illustrates it again with this man who's straining his wine again and again. And he's straining his wine again and again in in case there's a gnat in there. Uh, A gnat, this little bug, would make you richly unclean if you drank it. So you you make sure you've got to strain the gnat out. Uh, but he's straining it he's straining it time and time again. He is so focused on the minute details, he doesn't realize there's actually a camel floating in his cup. 
which is also unclean. Which is ridiculous, right? It's a picture of the church or the minister who are so obsessed with getting the ceremony or the ritual right that they've lost sight of Jesus and his gospel. You know, I've heard of churches that have split over things like the the color of the carpet. Uh, I've heard of churches that have split over the brand of wine used for communion. I've heard of churches split over whether the pastor should have a beard or not. Straining out a gnat while swallowing a camel. You see, Jesus warns that religious fakes, they can get so focused on the small details, they ignore the real issues of justice and mercy and faithfulness. And this is what can happen when, uh, when our religion becomes all about what it looks like on the outside. Uh, when it's all about what it looks like on the outside. And this is, uh, becomes clear in the fifth and sixth woes here. Um, uh, verse 25, uh, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. And verse 27, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You are white, like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of bones of the dead and everything unclean. You see, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law and their fake religion, they were just concerned with external appearances, making sure everything looked nice and shiny and clean on the outside so that it might be seen, so that it might be praised, so that it might be honoured by other people. All the while, they never dealt with the inside, never dealt with the issues of the heart, the issues of greed, says Jesus, of self-indulgence, the heart that is racked with decay and sin and death. Uh, when I was a kid, I used to share a room with my older brother uh, and our mum would come in and tell us to clean our room uh, and uh, we didn't like doing it, uh, but you know, she kind of had leverage. She held our pocket money uh, back if we didn't do it. So um, we figured the fastest way to clean our room uh, get the pocket money and get back to watching The Simpsons uh, was to just shove everything that was on the floor under the bed. And everything, like everything. Uh, and it worked for a while. We had a nice tidy room. Mum would come in and look and go, yep, that's great. And clear floor, uh, made beds. Uh, here's your pocket money. And it was all good for a few weeks until uh, mum began to notice the smell. It was just one look under the bed and there was no more pretending that our room was clean. No matter how clear the floor was, no matter how neatly the bed was made, the reality was our room was filthy. And that's the sort of fake religion that Jesus has on view here. People who are busy with spiritual window dressing. You see, right at the heart of the message of the Bible is the reality that we are not clean and shiny before God, no matter how neatly our bed is made in the morning. We're not clean and shiny before God, and no amount of external religion can fix that. There is no amount of rule-keeping or rituals that can cleanse us from the sin and brokenness that we are born with. You see, Jesus is pointing out to us here, through all these woes, that fake religion, it cannot save It only leads to pride. It only leads to hypocrisy. It only leads to going through the motions 
to be seen by other people. But Jesus does present us with an alternative. There is something that Jesus doesn't loathe here. There is something that Jesus loves. There's something that he looks for. There is something that he embraces with open arms. I wonder if you saw it as we went through, as we read through it. Uh, we did skip over it uh, during this part, but uh, come back with me to verses 11 and 12. I want you to see here, I want you to see the sort of religion that really saves. I want you to see here what it is that Jesus doesn't loathe but loves. Verse 11, the greatest among you will be your servant. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled. And those who humble themselves will be exalted. You see, when we come to Jesus, not seeking praise from others, not putting on a show to be seen, but when we come to Jesus with humility, with nothing but authentic repentance and faith, coming to him realizing that we are filled with all sorts of evil and wickedness and that we need his help. When we come to Jesus with humility like that, that is the sort of religion that saves. See, if you want to be seen by those around you, if you are putting on a religious show to, to, to show everyone how great that you are, Jesus is saying that the praise and honor from other people, that's all you'll get. Sure, you might get a few high fives, a few pat on the backs, a few good on yous. But if you're seeking your praise from other people, that's all you'll get, says Jesus. You might be exalted by others for a moment, but you'll still have to face God and his righteous judgment all on your own. But for those who come to Jesus with an authentic trust, come to him with dependent faith, Come to him, as the song says, uh, knowing there's nothing in my hand I bring, but simply to your cross I cling. For those who are humble before Jesus, he says they will be exalted. They will be the ones who are saved. They, on the last day, will be the ones who are praised by the Heavenly Father. Verse 12, for those who exalt themselves will be humbled. And those who humble themselves will be exalted. And you know what? This sort of authentic faith, uh, this humble, authentic trust in Jesus, this faith that works from the inside out rather than just uh, covering around the outside, uh, this sort of authentic trust in Jesus is actually attractive to those around us. Uh, the study I mentioned before that said that um, uh, Kiwis loathe religious fakes and hypocrites, well, the same study showed that the top two things that attract people to find out more about Jesus are when people live out genuine faith. Seeing people who live out a genuine faith and then uh, stories and testimonies from people who have changed due to their faith. Uh, when the lives, uh, when people see lives that are transformed, uh, not to do a performance, but genuinely transformed by what they believe, 
That is attractive to the world that is watching. See, Jesus, he loathed religious fakes. And he's looking to those who come to him with humility and trust. And for the world, for the friends and family who are watching, that sort of authentic faith, that sort of humility is very attractive. So will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your words. Uh, Lord, it can be so tempting for us to do things for show, uh, to impress people around us, to think that somehow by, how by doing religious rituals we are earning favour with you and with others. But Lord, we thank you for the honesty of your words, that Jesus loathes those who do it for show. So Lord, humble us. Give us humble dependence and faith in Jesus so that we might be lifted up by you and be saved. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, If the musicians want to come up, we're going to uh, respond to God's word uh, by singing. Uh, We're going to remind ourselves it's not by our works or our deeds or any religious rituals that we can be saved but is nothing but the blood of Jesus. Uh, What can take away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Please stand as we sing.